Welcome to the Think Kingdom Podcast. I am Marcus Looney, the Creative Arts Director here at Think Kingdom. We have a new message from Pastor Antoine Lassiter entitled The Whole Heart. Let's jump in and see what God's Word has for us with our lead pastor. Hear this, all you peoples, listen, all who inhabit the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth speaks wisdom. My heart's meditation brings understanding. I turn my ear to a proverb. I explain my riddle with a liar. Why should I fear in times of trouble? The iniquity of my foes surrounds me. They trust in their wealth and boast of their abundant riches. Yet these cannot redeem a person or pay his ransom to God since the price of redeeming him is too costly one should forever stop trying so that he may live forever and not see the pit for one can see that the wise die the foolish and stupid also pass away then they leave their wealth to others their graves are their permanent homes their dwellings from generation to generation though they have named estates after themselves but despite his assets mankind will not last he is like the animals that perish this is the way of those who are arrogant and of their followers who approve of their words Selah. like sheep they are headed for Sheol death will shepherd them the upright will rule over them in the morning and their form will waste away in Sheol far from their lofty abode but God will redeem me from the power of Sheol for he will take me Selah. do not be afraid when a person gets rich when the wealth of his house increases for when he dies he will take nothing at all his wealth will not follow him down though he blesses himself during his lifetime and you are acclaimed when you do well for yourself he will go to the generation of his ancestors they will never see the light mankind with his assets but without understanding is like the animals that perish Thank God. And so Psalms 49 opens up and the psalm writer says, hear this, all you peoples. He want everybody to hear it. He want everybody to listen. He wants the attention of all. He says all the inhabitants of the world. Last time I checked. That's everybody and excludes no one. He's speaking to all of us, and he wants to get our attention. The writer is trying to basically, like, do this. Let me get your attention. Because sometimes the noise of this day prevents us from hearing the voice of God, and we have to be distinct. We Listen, it's the crazy part. There are so many people now that are professing to speak on God's behalf, that, but if everyone is hearing from God and God is speaking so freely, why is there so, so much confusion? Maybe, just maybe, it isn't God who's speaking in the first place. Because God doesn't orchestrate confusion. And so the writer of Psalms 49 wants to be clear. He says he, he jumps off the gate. First of all, I'm summing it up. I'm going to sum it up, and then we're going to go to what I believe that God is leading us. But we shouldn't boast in our riches or be in despair because of our poverty. So you may not be rich, 
And it's like, well, pastor, I ain't got them problems. But he is also telling us not to be uh, depressed or in despair because we may not have everything that we want. No matter where we are, the same truth applies to us all. I love it when he says redemption does not come so easy for no one can ever pay enough to live forever. I don't care how many super genes they created, we all going to die. I know it's morbid. It is morbid to a degree, but um, he says the wise, the smart, the foolish, and the senseless, everybody dies. But God can redeem our lives and snatch us from the power of the grave. Here's uh, Psalms 49 summary. God alone redeems. I don't care what you have or what you don't have. God alone redeems. And we should find peace in that fact that redemption comes through Christ Jesus. Let me hear the redeemed folks say so. All right, there we go. All right, there we go. And so I wanna, I'm going to park my car at Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to leave it running. All right? Luke chapter 18, verse number 18. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus is cold. Like, I mean, Jesus is that dude. Watch this. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? I mean, right off the jump. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. I've kept all of these for my youth, he said, the rich young ruler. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. In these few verses, Jesus attacks the whole notion that anyone is naturally good enough to inherit the kingdom of heaven. He also exposes the deep roots that sin has in the lives of every person. When Jesus heard what the question was, his answer to him, you still lack one thing. And after hearing what he lacked, the young ruler, the rich young ruler became very sad because he was very rich. You see, let's, let's just keep it 100 for a second. There's a safety and a comfort in, in riches. And therefore, the rich young ruler couldn't give it up. The rich young ruler believed that he had his treasure already. His one thing gave him a false sense of confidence because he was more attached to it than what he knew. So when Jesus exposed it, what he thought, the rich young ruler, came crashing down. He had more hope in that one thing than he had in Jesus. Uh, but it's not the first time that 
that God asked for the one thing. Abraham had the one thing that made him the, 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 the father of many nations. And God said, give me that one thing. Give me that Isaac. Let me see how much you love me. And, and Jacob, Jacob had to do the one thing that he was dreading. He had to go reconcile with his family. If you're going to be blessed, Jacob, you got to go back and get that right. Are you willing to do the one thing to follow God? And so now, centuries ahead, uh, the rich young ruler missed out on an opportunity. What he possessed caused him um, not to see what he needed. Jesus exposes to the rich young ruler what he could not see in himself. And so the rich young ruler leaves sad. The rich young ruler has a heart issue. And Jesus wants to deal with it first. He wants to deal with the heart first, but the rich young ruler decides to walk away. See, this accumulation of resources caused him to find more comfort in the resources than Jesus, the source. Throughout Psalms 49, we look at the deceitfulness of riches. And now here we see the rich young ruler. And I know what you're thinking. Whew, thank Jesus, I ain't rich. Not even close. So some are already discounting or the others are saying, okay, this is what pastor is setting us up for an offering. That's what he's doing. Yeah, so you see, I've seen, I've been in church long enough to know that pastor is about to set us up for ask for an offering, and you'll be wrong. I mean, I want you to give, but this is not the message. Um, I want you to focus in on verse number 22. You still lack one thing. Inadvertently, our response is much like the rich young ruler. I have kept all of these all my youth. But the difficulty of something having your heart is primarily because we can't see it. See, if Jesus doesn't have our whole heart, does he really have any of it? This is, a not, this is not about money or material possessions. This is about does God have our whole, whole? Complete, full heart. So my, my message today is simply the whole heart. And some may have experienced riches in assets and material possessions, and it's easy to jump there. It's easy to jump through, yes, pastor, I do tithe. Yes, pastor, I do come to church. Yes, pastor, I, I, I do keep the commandments. But we're talking about the one thing, and now we start to break down what some of us are rich in. Can I go there for a minute? Some of us are rich in fear. You're afraid of everything. I mean, COVID is real, but I'm moving beyond COVID. I'm saying that there's something in us that should shake us to our core that God has my whole heart. For some of us, we're rich in doubt. 
For others, we're rich in depression. We're rich in despair. And for a few of us, we're rich in offenses. Everything offends you. We see it. And we have to be in relationship. In order for us to be in relationship with you, we have to walk on eggshells. Because you won't deal with you, we can't deal with you either. Some of us are rich in education. You're just too smart for your own good. Some of us are rich in tradition. I, I mean, we, we literally build idols to tradition. Some of us are rich in nostalgia, romanticizing the past. Newsflash, the good old days weren't all that good. But because the, because the activity of a thing is now there's a, there's a gap between what happened and what is, sometimes our minds just begin to romanticize. And they, here's the crazy part, Tim, that if a man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble, we all have trouble, that doesn't mean that in the past was the absence of trouble. No more than it means that the future will be absent of trouble. Trouble is just trouble. Okay, okay, all right, you'll make me work. Um, some of us are rich in knowledge. You know everything. Well, at least you think you do. I always call it the one-ups. This is the one-ups. Hey, man, I've been shot three times. Man, I've been shot 17 times. I, I love sometimes how we, how we share our testimonies, right? It's this person's been through this, and it's just like instead of saying, wow, man, God is really working in your life, this person's like, well, shoot, I remember. And, and we one-up each other like it's like the Jedi's training. It's, it's like let's just sit, man, my whole heart. See, it's my belief that our heart, see, I was going to, see, I want to build a heart, and then I want somebody like like a heart, and then I want somebody to hit it with a baseball bat so I can accentuate my point. But I thought of it too late, so you just kind of use your imagination. So our hearts are constantly being assaulted, constantly, constantly. And if we're not careful, the gods of this world and the culture around us is literally beating our hearts into shape of something that it was never intended to be. And so as community of believers, counterculture, that we're supposed to be going the opposite way, but we spend our times getting our hearts beaten so much, so bad, that in order for us to be in a relationship with you, we have to deny what we see. In other words, we can't even tell you the truth because your heart is like this. And if you beat a heart, I'm jumping ahead, but if you beat a heart long enough, you know how, what the heart does to protect itself? It hardens. And then now nobody can get in and nothing can get out because the world has just been pounding your heart. And now it's you hear it in people's language. We have become experts in hopelessness. And we believers. And so there's three things in particular I'm going to impact. And I pray this message has been birthed from pain. And I pray it benefits you because God is dealing with my own heart. So please hear me. This is not something that I have obtained or that I have possessed. I struggle just like you. The first thing is busyness. 
Busyness robs us of our life. We become passive trying to juggle everything that we become passionate about nothing. We're so passive. I'm seeing it, Tiffany. We're just so passive about the things of God. It's just let it just happen. And we're not passionate about anything. Jesus in Psalms 46, Jesus didn't say this. I was saying Jesus, and then I went to Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. When was the last time that you were just still? Oh, you busy. Oh, we busy. Because all the pressures we felt during last year, during that crazy year, it hasn't gone away. The residue of it remains. And as the dust settles, many are failing to thrive. Some are malnourished. And others have entered this maintenance mode. I'm just here. And many of us, for the first time, we were forced to slow down. And now it's like we're trying to make up for lost time. We may have been working remotely and not have to come into the office, but now it seems you're just working more. We are now busier than ever, more distracted than ever. And if we aren't careful, we are not even sure of what has our attention or affection because we're too busy to notice. People who are overloaded and overwhelmed are always rushed always in a hurry, often late, and almost always exhausted. People who studies of the effect of COVID are showing that even after someone has successfully battled the disease, the long-term effects on the heart is mind-boggling. A lot of people who successfully beat it still feel exhausted. And they can't return to the exertion level that they had before. They're still winded. And it reminds me of Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. You did run well. What is holding you back? What is hindering you? Mark chapter 4, verse 19. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. I love you. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Mark 419, according to Antoine, busy but not productive. Because the cares of the world are literally choking the life out of you. But you're busy and you can't even, this man, this is my, you can't even take care of yourself. You neglect yourself because you're so busy as if you have a savior complex trying to save your family. And what God is saying to the church that we got to hear, because when when Ramon begins to unpack out of the depths, if our hearts can't hear because we're so busy, once again, we've wasted an hour and 30 minutes on Sunday. We have to slow down. I'm talking to myself. We have to slow down and create the margins that's needed in order for us to be able to see through a kingdom lens. You have no margins. What are margins? Margins is just breathing room. 
Man, everything about you is at the brink. Finances, emotions, physical, spiritual, everything is like this. You're living on the margins and the edge, and it only takes a, for you to fall. But you get glory from it because the underlying need is the desire to be needed. Honestly, most of us have not done a great job, I'm talking to me, creating the margins needed to be healthy. The cares of this life centers around working and doing. And if we're going to be whole, we must create the margins needed. The margin is the space between the load and my limit. And many of us have already exceeded the load. And at any moment, you're about to crack. And God is loving you so much, and he's reminding you, I got it, but you can't, you can't be the rich young ruler and hear it and walk away sad. Because that's the one thing. It's the one thing. Because having no margins will always lead to misery. You're miserable because you have no margins. We talk about giving, and you got to shut it down because you have no margins. We talk about health, you got to shut it down because you have no margins. We talk about, we talk about physical or spiritual, you got to shut it down because you have no margins. And we're living so extended that the trauma and the tragedy has changed our theology. We see God differently. And that's why the young rich ruler comes to God, comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, you lack this one thing. If he knew that Jesus was a good teacher, if he knew even the words he used to describe Jesus, wouldn't a good teacher suggest good things? So he hears Jesus, and he decides to walk away. Tragedy has changed our theology. We don't view God in a proper way, and we begin living at the edge of our triggers. And we've become driven by external pressures that squeeze us into a form, and we are literally bent out of shape, unrecognizable, and at worst, we are living an impaired life, not a full life. And we continue to store it. We, began, we continue to struggle. And now it's so prevalent and so obvious, we can't even steward our own struggle. We're bleeding all over the place. We no longer seek Jesus to help us, but we seek anything or anyone to supplement what only Jesus can do. That's why we, pray to, that's why we play the lottery, because we believe that one day my ship going to come in. That's why we avoid these hard conversations because you bruised, I'm bruised, and we get together, we might as well fight. <laughs> so we are no longer passionate but passive. We're no longer living fully. I don't know who said this, but if you know, I'm going to send them an offering. We have to slow down so our being can sustain our doing. 
if we want to go further, farther, 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 if we want to go farther, we have to go slower. Because there's a toxicity about this culture. Do more. Get more. Be more. And God says, be. Second thing, burdens. We talked about busyness, then we talked about burdens. Burdens, pressure, stress have caused more heartache. Scientists say that prolonged stress has been shown to affect the brain, making a person less able to respond to future stress. So the more that's put on you, and the more we don't manage our stress well, the more aggravation comes out. And then the next thing, which is compared to the first thing, is small, tips you over. Think about this. You're in your car, headed to work. Somebody cuts you off, and you cuss them out. That's not even, that doesn't even make sense. They didn't see you. But you know what the underlying thing is? You feel that no one does. And now here's the car, once again, taking advantage. That person, that, that person don't know me. Who, who are they to jump in front of me? I'm about to handle my, bruh, pastor, calm down. Burdens. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm talking to any weary and burdened folks. I mean, seriously, like, like, like forget, we're just me and you talking now. Jesus says, come to me, and he will give you rest. You don't need more sleep. You're not resting. You ever wake up tired? That doesn't even make sense. You don't spend 12 hours in the bed and wake up, whew, I need to go back to sleep. Whoa, you're not resting. This is not found in Ambien. This is found in an anointed one of God. If you won't rest, you have, man, hear me, come, come to me. And Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, telling you, come to me. I see your weariness. I see your burden. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, as the King James, my version, the King James, take up my yoke and learn from me. Jesus is Sir, you have so much pressure on you that's not even from the outside. It's from the inside. And Jesus is saying, come to me. It's, it's amazing that the, I, I, tell, I tell Jennifer, I tell those that I work closely with all the time, you preach to yourself more than I ever will. You wouldn't even be your own friend. If we broadcast your thoughts, you'd be like, look, <laughs> Because let's just keep it a stack. You negative. You negative about yourself. And I know the makeup and the things that you dress up to pretend that you're not, but you are. And he's saying, come to me. Come to him. Because it's what I carry in my capacity that's causing me strain. So, I was talking to Nate. Nate has my dream car. I didn't know it was my dream car until he actually bought it. <laughs> but he's, but it's, a, it's a dual function. It's for professional and it's for personal. And he said when he was looking at it, he had to make sure 
that his towing capacity, because he, he, he tows and he does a lot of good stuff and good work, so he had to make sure that the truck could handle the capacity that he was towing. And he said, so the towing capacity is the maximum amount of weight your vehicle can tow when it's pulling a trailer. So he was showing me that, that, that he would, we, were, we went to the mountains or something, and one car was going up the mountain like this because it has reached its towing capacity, and he said, oh, it's going to be metal. He, he's doing so much damage. He's going to mess up. I could be messing up. His axles and all this other stuff, it's gone. And I started thinking, man, what's your emotional capacity? What are you carrying versus what your capacity is? And that's why you're going to fall apart. You're carrying too much. Your burdens are too much. And if we don't go before God with our burdens, then you become the sustainer of your burdens. It's too much. It's too much. Many of us are carrying burdens that we were never called to. Your children are grown. It's time for them to be grown. Burdens are similar. We must carry them to Jesus. Jesus offers us the solution, and yet, if we're not careful, we walk away sad. Scripture reminds me in Psalm 34, I'm preaching in myself now. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions, many are the burdens of the righteous, but it's the Lord that delivers. You are a good guy, but you're a bad God. It's the Lord that delivers us. Stop trying to be Lord. Sir, you can't fix your marriage. You can't even fix your own heart. Go to Jesus. Man, fear, fear has governed our lives, changing our habits and suffocating us slowly. I ain't talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about before COVID-19 hit. You were at the brink. Man, many of us is at the brink before COVID hit. COVID just took us over. Man, as my friend Gina Thomas says, she coined this phrase. Now, I don't know if, if she's the, the author of the phrase, but this is the first time I heard, heard it. The God of scarcity. And how that mentality, the God of not enough, that mentality robs us. I ain't talking about riches. I'm talking about if, if, if God is the God of scarcity, the, the gods that we serve, the God of scarcity, then my emotional, then, 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 then this guy won't be enough. So what I do is I do patchwork. And Jesus is literally saying, come to me. It's the one thing that you lack. I want to have your whole heart. I ain't stunting your money. I'm not stunting your depression. I want to have your whole heart. So bring your bruised, battered, disgusting heart to him. That's what Jesus is saying, because I hold on, because the God of scarcity, it's having a famine, it's preventing peace, it defines us, and so I hold on to, because this is my prevailing belief, not only do I think I'm not enough, I also think that there won't be enough, and our heart, hearts continue to echo and tells us that we are not enough while it fails to seek out the one who is our peace, our deliverer, our healer, the wellspring of our worship is drying up because it's a slow leak. We no longer see Jesus as the answer or Jesus being enough, but as the one of the options that we may have. 
And this leads us to try and find comfort elsewhere. See, trauma and tragedy ironically places us at the center. And we only see through that lens. And we see others through that lens. So we see through a lens of hopelessness. And there isn't a need for us to change our lives. So inadvertently, we change God. Because we're at the center. And hopelessness always drives us to believe it won't get any better. And so if I can't fix it, neither can God. So we don't go to him. It's the fear that I won't have. It's the fear that I won't get mine, that I won't have enough. And it prevents us from seeing what God has done and is doing through us and for us. And this causes us burdens, causes us not to create the margins for God to operate fully in our lives because we are busy making it happen. Therefore, we become the Lord of our own lives. Burdens. The last are beatings. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen, a man who's drunk tells the truth because he don't care. So here's what happens when you're drunk. Your inhibitions fall, and you will say something that was in your heart. Now, it may not be true to the other person, but that thing was in your heart, and you say what's in your heart, and you do what you believe. So over time, the assaults, the constant assaults against our heart can harden it, but then something happens, and the, 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 uh, the inner workings of our heart explode. There's three things that you need to start a fire. To note, there's three things you need to cause an explosion. First, you need a spark. Second, you need fuel. The third thing is you need a container. Heart. It's in my heart, and now I'm feeding, I'm gassing up what I see, what I believe. And now we rub against you, and now it explodes. And we see what was always there. It's just that some alcohol, be it anger, be whatever it is, just brings it to the forefront. So it may not be true what they said, but it is their perception. And so what we have to understand is it's failing. Some of us, we have failed. We have um, not succeeded so many times that we don't want to risk. We don't want to risk the next time. And it's that trauma that prevents us from receiving love and giving it. It's finding self-worth in accomplishments. And then the devastation you feel when you don't. Somebody told me, hey, when you go start preaching, when you start leading, don't let success go to your head or failures go to your heart. Don't let success go to your head. And failures go to your heart. But you could take a beating that you don't have any wins, and now everything that you lose at, you take personal. And so over time, you know what? You stop trying. Because the beatings have made your heart harden. And so to uh, pacify the beatings, we binge on distractions. If you fail to recognize your triggers, it'll cause tragedies all around you. To be in relationship with you 
require us to walk on eggshells. Your heart is a seat of offense. And wounds that go unattended continues to believe distortedly because a wounded heart is forever triggered. And immaturity leads us to believe that it's a specific person that's causing it. In reality, it's something in us that's being triggered. But it's easier to blame someone else than look in the mirror. So that's why most of us would rather have windows than mirrors. And so we must, we must see the purpose of our pain. The purpose of pain is to bring attention to something that's off. So when we see the triggers, we see something is off. And God uses the process to bring potential out of us. That's the purpose of the process. The process is to bring, to draw out, and to discover what's in us. But it's the power of priority that helps define us what to say no to, what to embrace, what things are seasonal, what things are lifeline. But a distorted heart believes that everybody that walks into your life is supposed to be there forever. They're not. You don't even have the capacity. And that's why we have to understand that if our hearts are constantly getting beating and we're not coming to Christ, every person, every job, everything takes so much from us because we're looking for it in the wrong place. Now, everybody wants a job where they feel appreciated. But that's not why you're working. You're working because here's what needs to be done. Here's what they're offering. You need, you do it, and they offer you a paycheck. That's your appreciation. But when we don't have our needs being met, we're looking to be appreciated in the wrong place because our attention, our affection is somewhere else. That doesn't mean that you work in a hostile environment and you just stay there. No, no. But when you need it and your job doesn't give it to you, you see the strain that you're under? And so if we are going to be people, purpose, and we're going to be able to embrace what Jesus is calling us to do, we have to create the margins because margin in our lives gives us more peace and improve our health it, it, man, it, it reconciles, it's more positive relationships, and we can become more usable for God's purpose. But because we don't create margins around Christ, and we have to fit Christ into these, into the edges, he never gets to the center. I'm going to leave you with four things that we all need to do. Please write these down. Number one, I need to recognize my limits. It ain't deep. That's just the truth. Job chapter 14, the men, the men went through 42, the 42 chapters of Job. It took us 42 weeks. They got through it, though. But something in Job chapter 14, verse 5, God has set limits that we cannot pass. And he lets us know that a person's days are determined. Don't waste the days of your life 
because we fail to recognize our own limits. We have physical limits, we have emotional limits, we have mental limits, time limits, space limits. We are limited. And the overextension of our margins affects our hearts. Our hearts are flooded with stuff to do and to get done. The acquisition of stuff. It's not about the rich young ruler. It's not about riches. It's about God not having our whole heart. Number two, anticipate that life will have difficulties. Very rarely does anything in life go exactly and perfectly as planned. Expect speed bumps. Why are we shocked when things don't work out? Thinking ahead is a mark of wisdom. Read Proverbs 22 and 3. Anticipate that life will have difficulties. Number three, intentionally schedule margin. Stop piling so many things into small spaces. My wife is going to celebrate this, but I've been putting out, I've been putting off the need to uh, declutter our garage. I got so frustrated the other day because I was looking for something that I knew exactly where it was. But over time, it's so much stuff in that garage, I'm almost embarrassed. But I can do something about it. Schedule margins and be intentional about it. This time, I'm turning my phone off. And I'm going to I'm just going to be quiet. Th- th- this time, I'm going to give my work to this. Because isn't it amazing how frustrating that we can get when somebody who doesn't know our schedule asks us to do something? Why are you frustrated? Just say no. They don't know what I got to do. They They don't. That's why they asked. Just say no. But when our hearts are messed up, we feel like we have to say it. That potentially that they will get it done and not need me. And then if I'm not needed, I don't feel valued. And so I have to overcommit myself so I can be a part because it's a fear of missing out. And God is saying, no, I'm giving you rest. But you're going to have to come to him. Why don't he just give it to us? You get rest. You get rest. You. No, we got to come to him. Come to him. Which leads me to the last point. Trust God more. It's amazing. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He says, look at this mountain. Make it move. But he didn't say pick it up. Our first thought would be to use our strength to move the mountain. He said, no, use your faith. 
There are mountains around us that he's telling us to move by faith, not by works. But because we live in a culture that we have to constantly be doing, first thing we do is we get the blueprints. We ain't consulted God at all. We're about to move this mountain because this is what God said. Okay, was he finished? Can you pause for a minute? There are things that I have done because I know what God says. But the instructions were incomplete because I didn't wait long enough to hear the other piece. We're going to do this. I'm gone with those folks. What? <laughs> Slow down. Trust God more. Some of us need to trust God more. And some of us need to begin putting our personal trust in God himself for the very first time. I don't know what's beating against your heart. I don't know what needs to, what you need to bring to him. But the rich young ruler didn't stay around long enough. I got to read it. I wasn't. The rich young ruler didn't stay along, stay around long enough. And oftentimes. We don't either. Because here's what was happening while he was leaving. Let me pull it up. Verse number 24. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, then how, who can be saved? He replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Hmm. What's impossible with man is possible with God. I don't know what you feel like you're rich in. know what has your affection, your attention. But as we enter a year, man, removed from what shocked and shook the world, what was exposed for you about you? That's the one thing that God is telling you to bring to him. For some, we're rich and worry about our children. He said, bring, bring them to me. Some of us are rich in worry and doubt and depression. He said, come, those who are weary and burdened. Some of us have made a mockery of our marriages. And we don't know what to do and we got this angst about ourselves this tension, this anxiety. He said, bring it to me. Some of us, like, thank God for the STEMI, you know what I'm saying? But this is what's going to happen. 
you're going to blow it. Because nothing changed in your heart. So whether we are for it or against it, what are we going to bring to God? Because I promise you, Tyant, I promise you, there's still one thing that we lack. And here's the crazy part, and here's my um, admonition to this church. That one thing is being rubbed against in this church. He uses us in community to show us that one thing. And I believe that God is trying to reset. God's trying to stretch and show himself to us. Thank you, Pastor Antoine, for that convicting message. We must be wary of busyness, burdens, and beatings as they constantly attempt to assault and shape our hearts. If you or someone you know is blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. We want to say thank you to everyone who's just tuning in to Think Kingdom and If you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message, many more sermon series and standalone messages right here exclusively on your Think Kingdom podcast.